I'm starting to feel like we don't need to go to fear yet, but we certainly need to up the level of urgency. Mm. Like when we see this level of innovation and testing these tools and knowing how good they are and talking to the AI researchers behind these things and knowing what they're working on that's coming next, I, I just really think creative professionals and agencies in particular, you, you have to have a sense of urgency to understand this stuff. Welcome to the Marketing AI Show, the podcast that helps your business grow smarter by making artificial intelligence approachable and actionable. You'll hear from top authors, entrepreneurs, researchers, and executives as they share case studies, strategies, and technologies that have the power to transform your business and your career. My name is Paul Reitzer. I'm the founder of Marketing AI Institute, and I'm your host. Welcome to episode 21 of the Marketing AI Show. I'm your host, Paul Reitzer, along with my co-host, Mike Caput, who is the Chief Content Officer at Marketing AI Institute and co-author of our book, Marketing Artificial Intelligence, AI Marketing and the Future of Business. Available now. What's up, Mike? How's it going? Good. We're both battling, I think, coughs and colds. And so we'll try and do this for everyone without having coughing fits yep. as we're yep. going. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we'll use some AI to edit those out, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I think we've used a script for our yeah. AI. We can, I know they can remove filler words. Maybe they can remove like coughing fits and it might, might be a drop down option in script. <laughs> <laughs> if not, it's a product idea for them. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we've got, uh, like our last weekly, we've got three cool topics. It's been a very busy week in AI, but before we get started on that, I want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, AI Advertising. Uh, AI Advertising makes the marketing show possible for one. And uh, second, it is a campaign performance platform that closes the loop eliminates guesswork, and connects advertising investments to sales revenue. They leverage zero first and third-party data to identify customer segments and predict winning creative. Their automated design tools easily scale multiple versions for all ad formats and channels, while the sophisticated measurement capabilities provide user-level analytics that continually drive creative optimization and performance. The advertising is shifting the paradigm, leveraging AI to fuse marketer, and machine. Learn more at AIadvertising.com. And we do have a couple of AI in action webinars with uh, Kevin and the team at AI Advertising. So if you're interested in learning more about them, uh, you can also go on Marketing AI Institute and check out the resource section. And there's these AI in action, like educational demos, and um, they're a great partner and uh, doing some cool stuff there. So let's go, Mike. What is topic number one today? All right. We've got a pretty crazy schedule. Like you noted, I feel like the weekly format here works really well because people are going to have, are going to be so shocked at how many things can happen in the last seven days in artificial well, how, intelligence. How about the last 24 hours? I feel the, like I messaged you like four different times on Zoom. It's yep. like, hey, here, I add this to the schedule. All right. So first up, Gartner, the analyst firm has identified seven technology disruptions that are going to impact sales in the next five years. So the entire sales profession, they are saying that sales leaders need to recognize, prioritize, and respond to these seven disruptions over the next five years or risk becoming obsolete or going falling behind the competition. And the great thing about all seven of these is that they are all based around AI. So... I'm going to quickly run through the seven and just list those off, but I do want to get 
kind of into a couple of the stats they drop on here in this article, because some of these are crazy and really, really cool. So the seven technologies are generative generative AI. So things like Dolly 2, Jasper, Stable Diffusion, we'll be talking a lot about tools like that in a minute here. Um, Something they call digital twin of the customer. So actually simulating elements of your customer's behavior and personality in order to better understand them. Augmented reality slash virtual reality, Uh, Machine customers, which was actually a really interesting one to me. So actually machines that will go do buying for you as a customer, as a consumer. Digital humans, which would be avatars that are simulated by artificial intelligence to interact with customers. Emotion AI, which is using AI to understand what emotions are actually impacting people, how they're feeling. And then multimodality, which was basically saying there's going to be multiple modes for sellers to log activities, and AI is going to layer over all that data to essentially assist and augment your sales operations. And so before we dive into these, there are a couple of really wild stats that they called out. So in the case of generative AI, They, which can produce everything from images, video, movies, what have you, and we've talked about it in the past, we're going to talk a lot about it today. Gartner predicts that by 2025, which is three years from now, 30% of outbound messages from large organizations will be synthetically generated. So almost a third of all messaging, all interactions, they believe will be AI powered in some way. Another crazy stat to me is that we're actually going to see by 2024 in their estimation, AI identification of emotions will influence roughly half of the online ads that buyers see. So you'll actually start seeing dynamic advertising and messaging based on the emotions that you respond to most. And also, I thought it was really interesting by 2025 70% of all B2B seller-buyer interactions are going to be recorded so that AI, machine learning, and NLP, natural language processing, can be layered over them to augment and impact sales operations. I know you had sent me a couple of those. What are your your thoughts on that? Those to me are very, very realistic, but also just a shocking display of how far we've come, how fast. Yeah, I so I read this post. I, I was doing a keynote actually at Marketing Profs B2B Forum last week. And I, I read this post the evening before I went on. And I actually had an AI and sales slide in the presentation. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like I need to go update the deck. I did not do it, but I actually infused a little bit of this narrative into the the keynote the next morning. Um, and I also put it on LinkedIn the next day and just sort of shared some of these stats. And I, I thought it was in interesting you know there was a lot of engagement with that post uh there was some condescending or or like disagreeing on the the level of whether these numbers would be achieved you know being called bs in in one case um i don't i don't disagree that these numbers may be way off i mean generally speaking that happens all the time when we're trying to predict the future because if we actually knew these numbers then you know that we wouldn't probably be working for a living we would just be <laughs> right you know making bets on other stuff but i think it's it's representative of some really important trends and the 
key is they're going to be big. So whether the outbound messaging is 15% or 60%, it's going to be significant. In other words, there are way too many marketers and brands not even paying attention yet. Don't even know what generative AI is. There's a good chance if you're listening to this, you don't know what the term generative AI actually means. And what they're saying is it's going to be a very significant part of your life within the next two to three years. And so when I look at stuff like this, I don't necessarily put a ton of weight on, are they going to be accurate in the total amount or value? What I look at is think, damn, I hadn't even thought about digital twins. Like, so I look at this, this trend and think, you know, you and I talk about this stuff all the time. We write about it. I mean, we had a whole chapter on sales in our book. We didn't talk about digital twins in that chapter. I hadn't even been on my radar. Hmm. And so that was one of the ones where I stopped and thought, man, like this, this is really interesting stuff. And again, I didn't get caught up in the numbers, but the digital twin thing alone is so intriguing. And it made me want to go research the vendors that are doing this, like who's building these digital twins because the concept is so smart. Like if you can take your customer profile data, everything they've ever done before, we, can, we know we can build lookalike audiences for ad targeting, but what if we can actually generate a synthetic version of that customer and then run our ads and social shares and emails against that database? Mm -hmm. So rather than having to send A, B tests and things like that, you just basically replicate your database and you create computer models of the customer. And then you see how they interact with things. Like it's so smart. And that they're saying it's big, going to be big enough by 2030, which tells me, like they said, it's nine billion in 2022, up to 150 billion by 2030. It means somebody's doing this right now. Like mm -hmm. who, who's doing the digital twin stuff? Because I want to know. I want to read those case studies. I want to evaluate that tech. So that was one of the things that jumped out to me. The other is emotion AI. I find intriguing. So the mm -hmm. stat you mentioned was. AI identification emotions influence roughly half of online ads. I've talked to two vendors in the last seven days doing emotion AI. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, either whether it's in research or predicting ad performance and basic premises, they can use computer vision in, in one of the cases to read your emotions. And while you may answer a survey in one way, your face may tell a different story. And so they're trying to use these computer models to train on people's emotions. And then the computer can actually you know, predict what your emotion or reaction is to something. So I, I again, I think multimodality is another one. Like G Google talks about that all the time. Yeah. So these themes, these seven trends, I think don't get caught up in the numbers. Focus on the fact that these are really big things. And again, like we know some major software companies that aren't doing this stuff. And so the other takeaway I had was, there's not enough urgency, not enough urgency from marketers to figure this stuff out and not enough urgency from a lot of the vendors we talk about to be working on this stuff. Like if you're a CRM platform, I don't want to call any out, but like if you're a CRM platform and you're not like thinking about this in your product roadmap, there's some problems ahead. Like this, this stuff's real tech that needs to be infused into the core tech solutions that we use as marketers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a really good point about the stats themselves. It's like, you want to focus on the size and the directionality of the trend, right? And there's no question these are huge trends that are accelerating. So yeah, whether the number ends up being right or not, that and honestly, I mean, looking at things like a digital twin, you're right. I I don't see many marketers and salespeople at all taking it seriously. And I think that's the takeaway is like, who cares about what the numbers end up being? This is here. It's now. It is happening. Yeah. And I actually think uh, 
I think the next uh, the next topic here shows <laughs> how quickly this stuff can happen and how fast the landscape can change. So we mentioned the term generative AI, this stuff like Dolly 2, stability AI, Jasper is a generative AI tool we had mentioned. And what these tools do is create. They create writing, they create text, they create art, they create video. We've seen some really cool high-profile examples uh, with Meta's Make-A-Video tool, uh, OpenAI's various GPT-3 and Dolly 2 uh, platforms. However, what we saw this past week is a massive amount of funding funnel into a couple key companies in this space. So the two that really jumped out to us were Stability AI, which is the maker of Stable Diffusion, which is the open source generative AI platform that has been very closely compared to Dolly 2 and is being used, I bet, in a lot of these other tools that we've discussed. They just raised $101 million in funding from some of the top venture capital firms in the world to turn this product, this platform, into open source at generative AI for anyone who wants to use it. Universities, individual consumers, other companies, which I'd want to circle back to in a minute, given our talk about people needing to move fast. People are already building things using Stability AI's platforms. And the funding puts them at over a billion dollars in valuation. And not only that, it is led by um, a couple massive VC firms, one of which Lightspeed Ventures, uh, who has one of the biggest um, tech VC firms, I believe, in the world, um, published a post as well about it saying, look, this is actually one of the most unique open source AI products we've seen. The user growth is wild and just like the the it's an exponential upward trend. There's a lot of success here, but I thought it was also really interesting that they also said we would be remiss in not acknowledging that stable diffusion has also generated controversy. Around some of these generative AI tools, there's a lot of controversy and talk about who owns what, who owns which copyrights to which images. And uh, Lightspeed Ventures basically said, we're very, very aware of the impact we're having here. However, the market is moving so fast. Essentially, the technology is moving so fast that the- However, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. right. <laughs> what it says. <laughs> so we've got on one hand that happening. And then on the other hand, Jasper, a tool with which we're quite familiar and use somewhat- they just launched, uh, announced a $125 million Series A round at a $1.5 billion valuation. And Series again, A. <laughs> Stress that it was a Series A. Yes. First, that, first round, basically, outside of the seed. So Yeah. Unreal. And it's this is, again, an AI-powered writing and art tool that we're using in marketing for various um, applications. It could be used for blog posts, emails, a lot of different marketing assets. This is a tool that has a direct application to marketing. And it just raised a monster round. And it comes from some of the top VC firms in the world. The money flowing into these two companies is jaw-dropping to me. Yes. I, I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the language AI, the writing tools is such a natural entry point for so many marketers because we all write. So I feel like 
you know, when I was at the marketing props event last week, there was probably like 350 or 400 B2B marketers. And I would venture to say that the majority of them were probably not early adopters of AI. They're not racing out ahead and trying all these AI tools. And yet when I gave my talk and I showed like language AI tools and I showed the image generation tools like stability AI is enabling, what I've found is I think we're approaching or at a tipping point in the understanding and adoption of AI and marketing because tools like this, the generative AI tools are accessible to everyone. So I can give a keynote about AI and I can show Dolly and you can go get Dolly while you're in the talk and you're 15 free credits. And by the end of that talk, you can have been creating images in Dolly and you can go show your family at Thanksgiving dinner. It is like, let me show you this crazy thing it does. Um, language, same thing. You can go get Jasper right now and you can start playing around with it. You can play around with their image generation tech. The, the tech, this generative AI tech is so accessible that people actually can experience AI and understand it. Two, three years ago, we couldn't do that. And I think that's what's causing this tipping point. And so like, again, this is just like last Thursday, I was giving mm -hmm. this marketing props talk. And then all of a sudden you fast forward like three days and we're getting 101 million in funding. I'm sending our investors and like people and it's like, holy cow, like, look at this. Like, this is what we're talking about. And then like you know, this morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, geez, Jasper now it's 125 million yesterday. And I was just having a conversation with another language AI company yesterday about how competitive this space is and how hard it's, it is to pick winners. I had somebody last week uh, that was looking at language AI tools ask me like, which is the best one? And I was like, <laughs> ask me again in three months, I'll probably give you a different answer. And someone literally said, like, is it Jasper? Is it Copy.ai? Is it Writer? Is it GoChart? Like, who's the winner? And I'm like, there's no winner yet. Like, it is an absolute arms race right now. It's who's going to raise the most money, who can get the recruit the best AI researchers. Like, there's, it's really hard to say who the winner is at this point. But, you know, we, I think we might have touched on it last week, but I mean, there's trillion dollar companies sitting here right now. Like, mm -hmm. someone is building a trillion dollar generative AI company. It might be one of these two that we're talking about right now. But, this space is on fire right now. And it is, as people who live in this space, it's really, really hard to keep up. The, the one thing I want to, like, I kind of made a snide remark as we were going through <laughs> about like their thing. And I want to, <laughs> I want to add some context to my snide remark. So I, I love the Lightspeed Ventures um, kind of editorial about why they did this investment. Mm -hmm. But I want to, I want to read this um, for a second. So, um, it's, this is straight from, uh, what's the guy's name? I don't know. Gaurav Gupta, I think is the Lightspeed. Um, one of the partners that I assume one of the partners at Lightspeed. Yes. So it says our thesis for Genevieve, I starts with the belief that storytelling, whether it be about a person, business, or idea is fundamentally, fundamentally what makes us human. My, my radar went up at that. Okay. It makes us human. But, but telling a good story is not easy. It requires content creation, whether it be text, images, video, audio, or, or a presentation. Today, the process of content creation remains manual and difficult. Very true, but also it's an art. So people who do this love that they do this and, and, pre, and enjoy the manual process of creating. So I don't know that we're solving for writers and designers who actually like the fact that that's what they do. But I continue. So quote, Generating a beautiful image, representing a story, not only requires an imagination, but artistic skill, knowledge of tools like Adobe Photoshop and years of work and training. 
generative AI has the power to reduce much of this manual, quote unquote, manual work and make it more accessible to all. We believe generative AI has the power to fundamentally change almost every creative endeavor, whether it be entertainment, media, advertising, education, science, and art. Ultimately, Stability's vision is to bring similar capabilities to text, video, audio, and more. So, you know, I put this on LinkedIn and somebody almost immediately was like, well, that's a, that's a pretty techie kind of view of things like that. Let's just, you know, yes, it's going to harm all these people and like devalue what they do, but all these other people who can't do what they do will now be able to do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically what that says. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so the non-designers, non-writers, don't worry, like you're going to be able to be a writer and designer. And I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm not like presenting this as I, I think what they're doing is wrong. I don't, I don't at all. I just think it's a reality that people aren't ready for. And we talk about this over and over again, that the designers and the writers, and you and I are both writers by trade, have no clue how advanced this stuff is mm -hmm. and where it's going in the next like six to 12 months. They are not ready for it. And I, I, I appreciate that, that light speed and stability are, are at least acknowledging this. Yep. But my general sense talking to a lot of these companies, a lot of these people is like, yeah, it kind of sucks, but here we go. Like we're, we're going forward anyway. Like it's, we're building the tech. It's we're able to build it. We're going to build it. And if we don't release it, they're going to release it. So we're just going to just move forward and let's figure it out as we go and pick up the pieces along the way. And, and so I just, I just think it's really important that people understand this stuff's happening with or without you. You don't have yep. to like it. We don't have to like it, but it's happening. And there is, there is literally an arms race for this. And it's a funding arms race right now. Yep. But hundreds of millions, and especially at a series A is a lot of money. <laughs> um, and I've talked to the people, not at stability. Like we know the people at Jasper, you know, pretty well. We follow them closely, follow copy.ai and writer and, um, hyper right and all these GPT three powered texts and man, this stuff's real. <laughs> and it's, and then I, I, we may, maybe we'll do more on this next week, but I was just sharing with you, like I was playing around with the Google AI test kitchen mm -hmm. where you can play around with Lambda, which is their large language model. So GPT three is a large language model that enables AI writing. Lambda does the same and man, is that stuff good? Like it, it's wild. Like, I don't know. I, Again, having lived this space for 10 years now and researched it and we've been writing about it and exploring it, I feel like more has happened in the last like 60 days than it happened in the previous nine years, I, like in I terms of advancements of the space. <laughs> I, it's unreal. And it's hard to communicate to people just how fast that that is moving yep. and what that means. I mean, one thing that did strike me about so we had talked about Stability's funding and then Jasper getting funding. And there's actually a bit of overlap between the investors in each one pretty naturally. Yeah. Um, one of the top firms leading Stability's is also a follow-on for um, Jasper. But what also struck me is you do have companies like our venture firms like HubSpot's VentureWing, HubSpot Ventures, um, the venture firms that are involved here are also involved with companies like Twitter, Shutterstock, Landing AI. I mean, that's probably pretty um, standard, I would say, in this space, but they also shout out some investors who I believe I assume were kind of in their seed, in the seed round for Jasper or 
have yeah. been advisors and people like David Cancel, who founded Drift, which is a huge conversational AI company in marketing and sales. Uh, there's Amjad Massad, who's actually a founder and CEO at a company called Replit, which is an online coding environment that I've used a little bit. And they just released an AI-assisted coding feature. And then one of the other advisors is Ahmad Mustak, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, the founder and CEO of Stability AI. So these advancements and these investments are having an exponential effect as they are sharing knowledge. If you can do generative AI in one space, the people that crack the code there can also help someone who wants to crack the code on writing, on coding, on all of these creative and or language-based or image-based pursuits. I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah. And the, the final thing I'll say here is, you know, you and I for years have debated on our tone when we talk about this stuff and that we can't push fear. Like we've, we've always made a very conscious effort not to use messaging that creates fear for people that, you know, we wanted to provide real education and information, be realistic about where we were at and try and present people with the very logical path forward to figure this stuff out. I I'm starting to feel like we don't need to go to fear yet, but we certainly need to up the level of urgency. Mm. Like when we see this level of innovation and testing these tools and knowing how good they are and talking to the AI researchers behind these things and knowing what they're working on that's coming next, I, I just really think creative professionals and agencies in particular you, you have to have a sense of urgency to understand this stuff. Um, it, it truly is going to affect you uh, very, very quickly. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I, I really want people to go test something out and see it for yourself. Like, don't take our word for it, but go get Dolly, go test stable diffusion or mid journey on the image side. Go play around with, you know, the a language model through Jasper or copy AI or writer, or go Charlie or keep, you know, any list of these things. It, it, it's just really, really important that you see for yourself what's happening in the space. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us, I think, to the third thing that jumped out to us this week is um, a Wired article that came out that is titled, AI shouldn't compete with workers, it should supercharge them. Now, this article is a bit commentary and a bit reporting on some some research that was done by a man named Eric Brynolfsson. And he is notable because he is an academic who has done research on the impact of automation on the economy for decades now. And he actually was the co-author of a book that you and I found really formative called The Second Machine Age, where he basically gave a version of what you just talked about, where he said, look, there's going to be some industries that might want to be have some urgency around figuring out the impact of automation and artificial intelligence on employment. And I thought what was really, really cool and interesting about this article is that he has a quote in here that I wanted to kind of get your take on, but it really aligns with how we counsel people to think about this technology. So he says, quote, it's 100 times easier to look at something existing and think, okay, can we substitute a machine or a human there? The really hard thing is let's imagine something that never existed before, but ultimately that second way is where most of the value comes from. When we start thinking about AI as an augmentation tool or a tool that's going to change your work, but in a possibly positive way, 
that's really where this kind of idea that we've talked about quite a bit, you know, AI native, AI emergent or AI or obsolete businesses starts to really become very important. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's the most approachable way to think about it too, where it is assistive to you. You know, we oftentimes in presentations, we'll start off with your life as an AI assisted, your, your marketing or business will be too. And it's this premise that what exists that we can just augment, that we can enhance your, what you're capable of rather than replacing you. And then that's where our marketer human to machine scale comes in, where you're just thinking about what, it, where can the AI fit in? that it can actually assist us in doing something. And at what level is it assisting us? How intelligently automated it is actually making a process. So it's not about automating humans out of jobs. It's about automating an, a, an intelligent way to assist them in the jobs. And yeah, I mean, we're big fans of, of Eric and, and his writing and thinking. And, um, you know, I, I always love these bigger topics. And obviously he's taking an economics angle to it mm -hmm. you know, where he's getting into tax law and things like that. Um, but these, you know, these sorts of things are really valuable. And I think, again, so many marketers and business leaders just have such a very surface level understanding of AI, but I think it's really important that we get people up to a, a strong competency in it, because these are the kinds of articles people need to be reading and understanding. But if you don't understand what AI really is, then this stuff just doesn't mean as much. It's not as like practical to you, but it's really critical things to be talking about. Yeah, and I think there's an element here too related to some of the other topics we've been discussing today about as you are injecting this sense of urgency into experimenting with some of these tools, I get that it can be daunting and sometimes confusing, but it can also be really enjoyable. I mean, in the Jasper release about the funding, they actually highlight this really cool story about, hey, you know, we used uh, a customer of ours used Jasper's art generation function to help her seven-year-old write a children's book that they're now selling on Amazon. It's called Jimmy's Jungle Adventure. He came up with the idea. He came up with the plot. They used a combination of AI and AI-generated imagery and text to build out the book. And now I, I click through the link. It's really cool. It's on Amazon, a fully-fledged children's book. And I get that that could be daunting, but a mom and her son turned it into a fantastic project that made him extremely happy. And I think that that might be one way to approach it. It's almost that idea of being a little more playful, like have a little more child's mind about it, where it can be just a fun experiment that you do to start. Yeah. And you see, I think Facebook came out with like some sort of uh, like a, a drawing tool for kids, uh, similar where you could like yep. draw something, it would actually enhance it. And, you know, I, a lot of the the way to learn this stuff is to see things like that. But yeah, I mean, back back to this this bigger idea here. Um, I, again, I, I just think it's really important that business leaders in particular quickly develop the competency because we need to be talking about these bigger things. And like, you know, he ends with, uh, we, we, we subsidize capital and we tax labor. Uh, he says, so right now we're pushing entrepreneurs, whether they want to or not, to try to figure out ways to replace human labor. If we flip that around or just level the playing field, then entrepreneurs could figure out a better way uh, that might be the way out of the trap he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, that's a really broad economic conversation. That's a very important conversation. But again, until more business leaders understand the fundamentals of like, 
that it actually could in theory replace labor, it, you can't even have this conversation. And it, it's just so important to be having. So, you know, I think that's part of our goal with this podcast is to give people a lot of really tangible examples and things you can go play with and test for yourself, mm -hmm. but then to start seeding some of these bigger topics that hopefully more people latch onto and start talking about and thinking about themselves within their organization or their industry. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's really my final takeaway from this week is this idea that our goal here is to help accelerate people getting into AI access. I mean, we just talked about a bunch of huge firms with some of the most talented people in the world with hundreds of millions of dollars moving the space forward. That doesn't mean you get left behind. You can actually get very make AI very approachable and accessible with a few simple steps. So I think just getting started with one of those tools, it couldn't be more important for any marketer out there today. Yeah, I agree. Just do something. You got to take an action. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and and as we were saying in the second topic, it, it's just so much easier to test something today. And I'll, I'll again, maybe next week we'll talk about the AI test kitchen, but just search, uh, Google AI test kitchen. We'll throw the link in, in the show notes, but I just start playing around with it today. And again, it's just, it's a way to experience the AI. And I think the more people experience it, the more they're going to start realizing how real the tech is and how it's going to start impacting your business and your career. And so the, the sooner you act and um, start learning this stuff, the, the better off you're going to be. All right, man. Well, another episode done. We will be back next week with topics that'll probably emerge in the next 72 hours. Like yep, we yep. don't, we don't plan <laughs> these out like in advance. I mean, we're, we're literally just kind of watching the week and, and trying to pick, this was a hard one to pick three for, honestly, like we had like yeah. four other ones we were going to address. So <laughs> I don't have to, we start doing this show twice a week. I'm not sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, thanks for being with us. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing AI Show. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're ready to continue your learning, head over to marketingaiinstitute.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, check out our free monthly webinars, and explore dozens of online courses and professional certifications. Until next time, stay curious and explore AI.